stations are ten a penny. Can I have ten radio stations, please? That'll be a penny, love. Thank you. There is one radio station. There can be only one. There can be only one. There can be only one. That stands out from the crowd. I want that one. All right. What is this thing? It's River Radio. There can be only one. One that's made entirely out of syrup. <laughs> You're listening to The Sports Show on River Radio. This is ben Extra World. Time. Where radio... This is <laughs> the, 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 the Sports Show. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, where we bring you all the sports news and stories from the Thames Valley and beyond. I'm Will Taylor, and over the next hour, I'll be talking you through debate and discussion alongside co-hosts Sam Setti and Ben Green. So come and join us as we get stuck into another episode of Extra Time. Coming up this week, we hear from Wickham Wanderers boss Gareth Ainsworth after they beat Shrewsbury 2-1 last night. I've just gone in there and said, look, a win is a win away from home at Shrewsbury on a Tuesday night. I think this is a great win, uh, and I'm looking forward to Saturday night against Morecambe. We also catch up with Mainhead United assistant manager Ryan Peters as he chats the challenges of being part-time in such a competitive league. Every year we're going to lose some of our better players. You just mentioned Danilo Orsi, uh, Josh Coley went as well. And between the two, they had the best part of 30 or goals. So when you lose 30 or of, of, of goals from the team, it's definitely hard to replace them. And finally, we catch up with the Reading Rockets as they talk us through how exciting basketball is in the local area at the moment. A credit to the division that within about 15 miles or 20 miles there's two really good clubs that will probably be hopefully top four by the end of the season and hopefully vying for silverware. All that and much more to come on this week's Extra Time. Good evening, everyone. That's right. It's a Wednesday night. It's six o'clock. There really is only one thing that could possibly mean, isn't it? It's extra time on River Radio. Of course say, it is. I was thinking it through very carefully. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Uh, as mentioned, I'm Will Taylor. Got absolutely loads to get through this evening, as we always do here on Extra Time. I'm delighted to be joined by the same panel again this week as I have as I was last week. Across, sat across from me, the wonderful Sam Setti. Sam, how are you doing? Good evening, everyone. Yeah, I'm, I'm great. Well, thanks for inviting me back. Don't be silly. You can't stay away, can you? <laughs> show today <laughs> <laughs> he cannot stay away a great win obviously for Liverpool last night your team in the Champions League was it five in the end against Paul's five one yeah a couple of VAR decisions that yeah. went the whole way <laughs> blimey they were tight first time for everything yeah first time for everything. actually last night VAR was on a four, uh, performance I mean some of the goals it gave in some of the other games I as know well. yeah Seriously, looked. I, saw, I felt today. one. I did feel sorry for him yesterday. A young young player called Donnell Mallon, who who just signed for Borussia Dortmund. Um, he scored four goals last night. Only one of them stood, unfortunately for him. So a tough day at the office for him. But they, he did score and they did win in the end. Um, I'm of course joined by via Zoom by Ben Green as well. I mean, Ben. I, I think the funny thing is for our listeners, you could be anywhere in the world and they would have absolutely no idea, would they? No, I mean, when I first thought about this uh, job and thought about radio in general, you know, you're going to be sat in a nice, comfy studio with producers and, you know, tons of technology. Well, I'm actually sat inside the back offices of uh, the Tesco I work in. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't really how I planned this show, but... Whoever said radio isn't glamorous was lying. That's what. I'll, that's all I'll say. Exactly. That's all I'll say. Um, obviously, we're going to get stuck into Wick and Ben, but it's going well, mate, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, big. I know we're going to talk about it later on, I'm sure, but a great result last night in a game we didn't play well in. So the teams we've played so far, some really hard teams away from home, got them out of the way. So I'm looking forward to especially the game not only Saturday, but you know, a few more down the line that should be a bit easier. Well, with a bit of luck, mate, with a bit of luck. It certainly seems like it's going to be exciting for everyone involved going forward. Anyway, um, we do begin tonight talking about Wickham, of course, who travelled to Shrewsbury yesterday evening in League One. Um, the Chairboys went to the game having lost 1-0 at MK Dons on Saturday. Spurs Loney Troy Parrott netting the winning goal from the penalty spot after he was fouled by Anthony Stewart, um, who of course saw red from the challenge. I'm not sure if you've seen this, Ben, after just finishing your shift, but that red card's actually been overturned in the last hour or so, which is good news, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's good news, but at the same time, that ultimately cost us the game. You know, we <laughs> red card and a penalty. It should have just been a yellow card. When I first saw the foul, I thought it was a yellow card. You know, he tried to get the ball, and I thought the double jeopardy rule would come in. You know, penalty, fair play, but obviously not. It was a red card, and really, after that, I don't think we really got back in the game at all, and... Yeah, could be had him last night, but could have done it on Saturday. <laughs> well, one of the things you will say, though, is you can never trust a referee to make the right decision, can you? Regardless of what level you're at, they're always going to always gonna slip up and make one. It is interesting that you give a penalty and a red card, especially with the double jeopardy rule. That seemed to be pretty common knowledge as far as I was concerned. Uh, Gareth Ainsworth was obviously, oh, he said that they deserved the penalty. You know, there's no getting away from that. It was definitely a penalty, but he was annoyed by the red card. But what, what really shook me is it's very rare you see it, to see your team lose 1-0, especially the form you're in trying to be at the upper end of the table but he praised the team for, for their defending having been reduced to 10 men and said he was proud of the team's performance how, how rare is that for, for that to sort of, for that for a manager to come out and say that even though you've just lost a game well I, I can see why he said it though you know we were 1-0 down going into the second half and we didn't concede and towards the end of the, that half we, we, we you know I think from what I've heard we pushed MK Dons all the way MK Dons, by the way, are going to be a really good team this season. I'm sure a few of their fans were slightly concerned when Russell Martin left. And I was as well. I thought, that's it. You know, Maybe a couple of the signings are going to lose a bit of interest. But they've started the season like a house on fire. I think they're maybe third in the table. They've played a game extra than us, for sure. But um, that ultimately, they'll, they'll be a good team. I, I reckon playoffs is, is definitely achievable for them. So to lose 1-0 with 10 men for 45 minutes, I think that is something to, to take from the game. Definitely. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, with, with MK Dons? Because they, I remember seeing the videos were circulating last year, weren't they, of, their, of the way they played football. And there was this, this aerial shot of the way they played out from the back. And it's just, it's not League One football at all. It's absolutely, it's beautiful football. And it was all ingrained by Russell Martin. I remember when Paul Tisdale left, everyone was sort of thinking, what's next for MK Dons? And they've sort of evolved into a club that's played really nice football, despite the obvious problems that surround them. I mean... Uh, we appreciate good football. We appreciate, you know, see, seeing teams play nicely. Would you like to, before we get into Wickham, I need to ask you both this. Would you like to see them in the championship or do you think not at all? Ben? Well, they've been there once before and, and they didn't last very long. <laughs> uh, but obviously, as a Wickham fan, MK Dons, it's, it's a strange one. They are meant to be our rivals, but at the same time, they're not really much of a rival. The fan base doesn't hold much of a awaiting there so look, I think purely down to football the football side of things MK Dons are a really good team so yeah if they were to get promoted would I necessarily like to see them there no but I think they could hold their own for sure they've got some really good players I think uh, a few years back Liverpool played MK Dons 
and I went to their ground, and I was totally surprised by how good their ground was. Mm. Fully expected some sort of, you know, 1930s rickety shack thing. Mm. It's a modern stadium, really plush, super, you know, seating around it all. They are geared up for a higher league. They definitely are. No, I completely agree. They have that infrastructure there, don't they? It's just everything that's gone before them, which leads a lot of, a lot of, uh, I think, traditionalists to maybe question their validity uh, going forward. But focusing back to Wickham, they were obviously on the road again last night, uh, but this week not quite to the heights of Premier League champions Manchester City. No, last night they travelled to Shrewsbury Town in hopes of continuing their good early season, good early season form, which they certainly managed to do, coming away with a two-one win. Courtesy of goals from Joe Jacobson and Ryan Tapazzoli. It's fair to say, Gareth. Ainsworth was pretty happy as he caught up with the club's media officer, Matt Cecil, after the game. Cool, Gareth, an amazing second half display and what a win away from home. Yeah, do you know, um, myself and Dobbo demanded a little bit more quality at half-time. Um, I thought that first half, uh, we went toe-to-toe with Shrewsbury, who are a good side, by the way. Um, Steve Cottrell, good manager. We've got, obviously, Aaron Pierre, one of our ex-players, who's, who's a big player for him. And, and you know, they've, they've recruited well, you know, um, physical get the ball forward like we do and uh, and they're going to cause teams problems they're definitely going to take take points off off teams here um, like I say a big fan of Steve Cottrell and the way he coaches and the way he gets his teams playing um, so at half time it was very even you know and, and it was that moment of quality that was going to break the deadlock um, we had a good passage of play we started getting our foot on the ball a little bit more and then the pass into Sulikake in the box which you know um, Dabo's been working on in training and, and, and I mentioned if they can get in the box on the ball um, it's dangerous it's a dangerous position um, Sully's um, twisted up his, his defender put a great ball in Jack Grimmers had a, had a header and it drops to JJ on the edge of the box who slams it home you know and, and it was a it was a brilliant goal for JJ who's uh, you know he took a nasty whack in the first half but he was a solid performer today and uh, great captain's performance from him uh, and then another bit of quality a Sully Kai Kai again with a, with a fantastic set piece what a ball that was in you know and Ryan Taffazoli just had to glance it in on his birthday and uh, and again, nothing more than the boys deserved, you know. Um, but Shrewsbury had their moment. Teams are going to have their moment, you know. And, and uh, it's uh, it's going to happen. Look at the weather. The, the weather's changed. The winter's come. It was, it's a tough place. And, and squads are going to be stretched. The depth of squads are going to be stretched. And uh, and they definitely gave us some real hairy moments at the end there, you know. And uh, Aaron Pierre himself going through on his left foot thought it might have scored. But... Um, Really proud of the boys the way they saw the game out. They've they've scored a good corner against us, but um, you know we had a passage of play about 83 minutes where I thought it took the the sting out of the game. It really did, you know. Josh and Gareth McCleary coming on and, and playing this just just these quality passes that these these players who've played at high levels that they've got this, you know. Bringing Bale and then to see the game out and uh, and obviously David Wheeler to to add some physicality. I, I thought we uh, we saw the game out really well. Um, I've just gone in there and said, look, a win is a win away from home at Shrewsbury on a Tuesday night after you've done five consecutive games. One was Man City away, 10 men on Saturday. I think this is a great win uh, and I'm looking forward to Saturday night against Morecambe. Well, it must be an absolute credit. Like, just like you said, that we've got, we've got a full team right now, haven't played five games on the bounce. It must be amazing to have a full fit squad 
ready to, ready to take the next team. Yeah, really. the depth right in the squad is, is something that I'm really I'm proud of, you know, and, and I'm thankful to the owners, um, again, the Keurigs, for, for letting me get these players in because um, you look at our bench tonight, um, Daryl Horgan, international, Gareth McClear, ex-international, Asma Metti, international, you know, Jordan Obita, Bayo, David Wheelie, you know, and, and Adam Pris, but, you know, it is a really, really top bench. We've got, we've got Dominic Gape to add to this, you know, um, who didn't make the trip because he's, uh, he's expecting, you know, and I don't know if I've missed, missed anyone out, but he'll be a quality player as well. But we've got this depth, which is really important, which enables me to rotate. We brought Kake and Hanlon in tonight in place of Horgan and McCleary. But, you know, big decisions to make because them two have been on fire. And back at home, you know, there could be more rotations. Um, Sam Volks again ran his socks off. I mean, just really, really proud and thankful that I've been allowed to do what I've wanted to do in the transfer market, get this strength in and be able to rotate the squad without weakening it at all. There's nothing that, that brings this down well at this, this good level and, uh, and it's, it's brilliant to have these players to pick from. Gareth Ainsworth there catching up with Matt Cecil after the game and a, a very um, sort of honest interview. It's, it's good to hear those sort of chats with managers. Where And it's all every week I feel like I say this because Gareth Ainsworth certainly is one of those people who, you know, he doesn't hide behind anything. He's very happy to, to be up front with it, with everything and how, how he sees things. I mean, obviously, a, hu- a huge win last night. You know, he mentioned the respect he had for Steve Cottrell and probably most of the Football League does. He's, he's been there pretty much everywhere and done it. Um, it's, it's games like that that, you know, you might not play the best sort of football it might not be the most entertaining game worth the £10 you pay on iFollow Ben but it's it's one of those games that you just have to grind out results and that's what teams that end up getting promoted do isn't it yeah well unfortunately you've already blown my cover I wasn't actually at the game last night I did actually <laughs> stay indoors and watch it on my laptop but yeah like you said it was um it was a wicked performance really we, there wasn't a lot of quality in the game Shrewsbury have made their pitch incredibly small by the way, in terms of whip ways. It was the, the, the thinnest pitch I've ever seen. Um, and I think that led to both teams playing very long, very direct. Both teams had some big guys up front. So you can imagine the sort of game it was. There was a lot of physicality, a lot of fouls, a lot of time wasting <laughs> towards the end from some of our players. Um, but no, it's like you said, it's those sort of games where you're 2-1 two, two up, away from home, can you grind out the win? You, know, you might not necessarily be playing well or have a lot of quality on the day. But we did, and that's the main thing. Wickham got a, a good win after some hard games. Uh, Saturday was a big loss, really, I think. Would have hit the players in the confidence. Um, so it was a good win going into Saturday, which, again, is another team, Morecambe, where you'd expect Wickham to get the points. But Morecambe have got the, the, the highest goal scorer in the league at the moment, Carl Stockton. I think he's got eight goals already, so... That's not going to be an easy game for sure. No, I mean it's it. We'll, we'll get on to just just that preview in just a second. I'm just curious to to get your thoughts on this as well, Ben. Obviously, you've got so many attacking threats. The sign in the Sam Vokes obviously went down so well, where you know he and he he sort of hit the ground running. You've obviously got Akin Fenwa, who's such a, a novelty man, but still has so much to offer as well. But how good is it to see these goals coming from elsewhere? The fact that it's not just coming from these guys. There's no reliance on these guys that if they get injured, your season suddenly knackered. You you you've got legs elsewhere that will provide goals yeah Wickham haven't really had a, a 20 goal a season striker for a long time I think Akin Fenwick scored 17 the year we got promoted from League 2 and since then it, I think the highest goal scorer is probably Jacobson on about 10 a season so we've always been a team that relies on goals from everyone JJ you can rely on 4 or 5 goals a season yesterday was only a second goal that wasn't a set piece for us and it was a brilliant finish outside the box wow. 
you know, yeah, I know you wouldn't think it, but only the second time he scored, not from a dead ball. And then you've got Tapazoli, who had one in the back of the net on Saturday, disallowed for offside. Uh, it was his birthday yesterday, his 30th birthday, and he, and he got a goal. And he's, again, he's six foot six. He's going to get on the end of crosses if you get the ball, you know, in the right area. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely threat everywhere in, in that Wickham team. You mentioned it there, obviously, Jacobson being amongst the goals. Um, he actually caught over Matt Cecil after the game as well, where he spoke a little bit about how much it meant grabbing that goal. Players tend to score against their former clubs, but that was a special goal tonight. Yeah, it was nice. Um, tough game, really tough game, and, and we probably didn't hit the heights we've hit in other games this season. Um, we knew it was going to be tough. Gaffer spoke before the game and said these are the kind of places you need to come to if you want to kind of do something in the league and um, you know at half time we said it's just going to be one or two little bits of quality that are going to kind of decide this game from either team and um, I think first half we didn't really do enough on the ball I think we, we were sloppy at times and um, I think second half then we had good spells where we, we got it down, got into some good areas scored a couple of goals and, and again at the minute like we've done we've, we've kind of made it difficult for ourselves later on but I think we, we stayed strong and yeah, we rode our luck a little bit at the times, but um, good victory, take it home and, and on to home performance on Saturday, hopefully. Most people will see Jacobson down in the score, they'll just assume it was from a corner or from a <laughs> penalty, but from open play, you don't get many, do you? No, no, I'd like to get more. Um, it's just one of those things, I, I, I popped up, I've, yeah, I don't really know what I was doing there. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things that sometimes that you just follow the ball and, and end up being in a position, fell to me nicely, and yeah, I managed to, to, to take it, Dobby will tell you that when we're doing shooting practices I'm always the first one to ask to be involved and he's like no this is just for the attackers so um, yeah, I'm thankful that it, it went in and, and set us up nicely for, for the rest of the game so it was a nice one for me. Bit of debate online how many goals you have scored from open play for Wickham we think it's three but two of those have definitely been against Shrewsbury. Yeah, weirdly, really. Jace said that to me as we were coming off. He was like, it was your last one against them as well. Um, and it's not, you know, it's unfortunate. I had three amazing years here. I loved it. I loved living in the area. I loved playing for the club and had some really good times. And just one of those things that happened that I've scored against them a couple of times now. Um, so, yeah, when the, like, like I said, I'll take it. I'm, I'm, I'm Wickham and, and, you know, it was a big victory for us tonight. And was it another milestone, this goal for you in your career? I think it's the 50th, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's amazing what a couple of penalties can do for you over the years. Uh, but yeah, one of those things again, which is a nice little milestone. Um, yeah, it's been however many, 14, 15, 16 years, whatever it is. So um, all these little goals, they all add up. And yeah, nice one, nice little milestone tonight. And your dad's been in touch as well. He's not shy on social media. He says you only score when he's on holiday. So uh, what's your message to him? cancel the flight stay out there for as long as possible we don't need you back here go and enjoy yourself keep making yourself look like a handbag or whatever he's doing out there <laughs> uh, yeah enjoy it enjoy it I'm sure I'll get a few FaceTimes tomorrow from him as he's laying on the beach but um, yeah it's nice that he's he's still looking out for Wickham when he's there it's been some tough games on the road for Wickham recently uh, it must be nice to get on the bus now with the three points yeah, and I've, I've read somewhere about our record away on Tuesday nights when we stayed overnight. And, and look, the club do a lot for us of, of how we prepare and stuff. And we, we've come up yesterday, we, we did things right. And um, they're looking into a hell of a lot of different things about you know reasons for this, about sleep patterns and, and stuff like that. So um, they're really trying to um, you know change that record that we had you know tonight. 
um, showed that you know we can we can win away but also our home form is where we've really shone this season and I think out of the nine games we played we've only played three at home and, and won them all so we're, we're desperate to get back to Adams Park you know we want to make it a fortress this season we started off really well there and if we can carry on picking up wins then, then I'm sure we're going to have a successful season and last question for me left back's been your position for most of your career left centre back of a three is, is where you're at at the moment uh, you, you liking that new position? Yeah, I started off as a winger all those years ago, so I don't know how far back I can go from here. <laughs> but no, I love, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I think it suits me down to the ground a little bit. You know, I know the gaffer kind of likes, you know, fullback, fullback kind of players in, in those wide ones, or if it's a little bit lopsided and things like that. So, it, so it suits me down to the ground, and um, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it since we we went there March, April time last year. Um, I've, yeah, I think I've. I've played some of my best stuff in the last few years there so um, yeah as long as I'm in the team I'm happy playing anywhere but I, I do really like it there yeah been a while since you scored from a corner as well when's that coming well last season I wasn't allowed to by the officials so this season I don't know the way Sully puts them in he can take them all from now on and, and um, put them on a plate for Taft but yeah no, like I said I, I try sometimes the boys have a go at me for shooting a bit too much on corners but if, if Dobbo who, who sorts the set piece out allows, allows me to do it I'm right there Joe Jacobs in there talking about his goal last night and of course um, you know his novelty of scoring from corners which to me is just bizarre because but I mean before we get there's, there's something I didn't even intend to ask you this Ben is it weird celebrating a goal scored from a corner because it's happened to you quite a lot <laughs> well yeah I have seen it a few times and funny enough the, the first live game of football that my girlfriend ever saw um, was the game that Joe Jacobson scored from two corners. And I had to explain to her that this doesn't happen every week. You're not supposed to score from a corner. Um, and yeah, it, it's a really strange feeling. With, with JJ, you almost expect him to do it. So, you know, if he did score, I'm genuinely going to celebrate it like it's a goal. Uh, if anyone else did it, or if any other game I saw it, it's almost, it, it's hard to describe. You, you don't really celebrate. You almost think, surely that's going to be disallowed. Surely... That couldn't have counted. What have I just seen? How has that gone in? So, with JJ, yes, but normally, no. Ben, have you taken your girlfriend since? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the, the next game she came to was Doncaster. I think she's away. the lucky mascot, yeah. mate, you've been looking for. <laughs> that is it. I mean, two goals, and then you've not taken a bat. What were you thinking? There's no reason, no, no wonder you've gone out of the championship, yeah, exactly. mate. It's, it's all I mean, your fault. It's clear as mud to the rest of us. You just didn't see it, mate. <laughs> um, looking ahead to Saturday as well, then. Obviously, you mentioned the danger of Morecambe. I don't think anyone, I mean, I'll, I'll certainly stick my hands up and say I didn't expect them to do as well as they did I, I didn't even think they'd score a goal this season let alone get a point there they're, they're, they're knocking on the door of the playoffs Cole Stockton you mentioned I think it's, it's nine goals I think he's got so far this season um, obviously you seem to be fairly solid at the back but that's a, that's a genuine worry going into the game isn't it? Yeah for sure I mean if there was ever a phrase to, to say welcome back to League One it's the danger of Morecambe um, <laughs> what I would say for sure is Cole Stockton's a really good player he's scoring goal, all different types of goals from what I've seen and like, you know, a team that's got promoted, they're full of confidence. They've had a relatively good start to the season. It's one of those games that because we're expected to win, you know it's going to be a tight game. You know there could be a few scenarios that don't go away and, and they'll be up for it. So uh, I expect to win, but I think it's going to be similar to Tuesday night. I think we're going to have moments where we're going to struggle. No, I think that's, I think that's a fair assessment. I mean... What, what what's your sort of thoughts like you you mentioned on them were you thinking the same as me that they were going to struggle and now it's a, it's offers more of a threat than it maybe should do 
Yeah, it's probably all, a lot of it's down to Stockton. You know, getting eight goals is is quite. That's more than some teams have scored altogether. So, I'm yet to be you know convinced on their credentials as a whole team. Obviously, they sold Sam Lavelle, their captain, who who we were interested in. I was disappointed we didn't sign him. I'm not sure they've replaced him at the back, so there could be a weakness there. In terms of the rest of the team, I'm really not too sure. Like I said, what they will bring is a lot of confidence, a lot of energy and a bit of talent up front. So, so I think it's going to be a tough game. Well, they, they lost their manager in Derek Adams as well, obviously going to Bradford, which yeah, which yeah, shocked cool. everyone and, and maybe slightly fortunate to be promoted in that final as well um, in May. But, you know, it's, all that counts is the is the score at the end of the game and they certainly did win it and they're, they're doing very well in League One. Uh, it was another good result for Wickham on the road then last night as they saw themselves jump into the playoffs and continue to stake that claim to return to the Championship at the first time of asking. Next up, though, we're moving across to York Road where after, after a positive result on Saturday, things might be looking up for the pies. On to the next of our local clubs in the Thames Valley area then and attention falls on Maidenhead United who after a rocky start with a lot of tough games managed to point against high-flying Grimsby Town on Saturday. It's certainly a result they'll be hoping can kickstart their season and earlier today I caught up with assistant manager Ryan Peters and started out by asking how he how, how he would assess the season so far. Been indifferent. Uh, we started the season quite well with, uh, with two wins, um, but then the four games without a win, and then that's when you're starting to question whether you've got your uh, your philosophy right, whether you've got the personnel right, whether we need to adjust the way we play. Um, but on Saturday we had a, a really hard uh, draw, and it was more the manner in which we managed to get that draw rather than the actual draw itself. And hopefully we turned the corner because the, the four losses that we had. It was more the, the measure in which we played rather than the result itself. Over the course of the time we've been with Devonshire, um, he will always tell you it doesn't matter who you are. Um, we're going to go out there and we're going to try and uh, impose ourselves on those teams and try and fight with all of the points. And of course, they are big teams, but uh, it was the manner in which we rolled over and allowed some teams to come and beat us, which is what we weren't too happy with. Um, essentially, when we looked at the, uh, the fixture list, we knew it was going to be a tough month or so with the, the big teams that are in the league. But when Grimsby come to ours and we're able to get a really hard draw, we wanted the same from the other teams that we, that we played and it wasn't quite there. So like I said, regardless of whether they get those four or five teams are going to be in the playoffs or not, we still want to match them for endeavour, we still want to match them for desire, and we want to come away with a few more victories than we have done. So regardless of who you are, the performance has to be right. Focusing on that game on Saturday then, do you think it should have been more than a point? Yeah, it should have been, if we're being really, really honest. We had uh, maybe two chances in the first half, glorious opportunities that we should have put one of them away. Um, and then we would have gone at half-time um, with the impetus. We didn't, unfortunately. Um, they then managed to get a goal on the break, which they most definitely did not deserve. But then to come back and get that, um, that equaliser was more than we deserved. So you're looking at chances. And the big teams, you give them a sniff of goal and they'll take that chance where it's taken us maybe two or three chances to put away. And we know in the league that we're in, we can't afford to let too many opportunities uh, be spurred because it resulted in us um, losing more games than we win. Obviously, goals have come from all over the pitch since the start of the season. How important is that after losing so many key players, especially like Danilo Orsi, over the summer? No, it's, it's vitally important. Look, I don't want to make any excuses for a part-time team. Um, every year, we're going to lose some of our better players. You just mentioned Danilo Orsi. Uh, Josh Coley went as well. And between the two, they had the best part of 30 or goals. So when you lose 30 of, of, of goals from the team, it's definitely hard to replace those. 
And when you do replace them, inevitably come into the, the season, you potentially could lose them again. So um, it was a statement of intent when we managed to keep Sammy Barrett and get him on a two-year deal. He's one of the best players in this league, and he will most definitely score for us. But it is definitely going to be a case of some of the other attackers and defenders in fairness um, coming up with some goals. Because we're going to need them. We're going to be hard to beat where we can, but the goals are going to be important for us. Looking ahead to Saturday then, how much of a chance is it to kickstart the season against Kings Lynn? There's always a chance. And it's, um, like I said, it's another game where we are looking for a victory. It's as simple as that. We don't go into any game looking for a point. Uh, and based on the manner in which we played on Saturday, if we're able to take that into a Saturday game, it should be a um, performance that should lead to a few more goals. Uh, we're being a lot more solid now. We have got our injuries. Like every other team, we make no excuses. But uh, last season, I think Kings Lynn, they, uh, they beat us and we got a draw. So it's definitely time for us to turn the tide and get a victory against them. There were, of course, two sending-offs against Stockport, both Remy Clarima and James Holden, who are still unavailable. Are they big misses and how disappointing were those sending-offs, especially with uh, Reese Lovett having to stand in in goal? They were silly sending-offs. Off. Sending-offs we could have done without, but it happens in football. Um, they've apologised and we move on from that. Um, we want to make sure that we don't have as many sending-offs sending off as we have in the first um, period of our season. But inevitably, they will happen at some point. We have a very, very good squad. We made sure this season, based on how well we did last year, that we had two players of uh, equal merit in every position so that when a suspension does happen, we're able to bring someone in that is just as capable. Um, so regardless of suspension, they won't be back to Saturday, that's for sure. Uh, but they have been helping us out for, for this game coming. But ultimately, it's the gap of decision. Um, and for every player in this squad, it's taking a chance when it comes along. Rich has done really, really well. Uh, he hasn't been at fault for any goals. And in fairness, he's, uh, he's calmed us down where he's needs to. So uh, he played the majority of the season last season. Picked up a boot of an injury, which allowed James to come in. So we've got two very, very good goalkeepers. No matter which one we'll play, um, they're always going to try their hardest and goals to make sure we keep clean sheets. So it's um, going to be a tough decision once both goalkeepers are back and ready to go, which uh, goalkeeper the gap goes with. But it's a decision he has to make rather than me. All the boys are ready to go and we don't have any more injuries. So other than the injuries that we already had, um, we're going to be um, picking from a, hopefully a big squad. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. No worries, thank you. Ryan Peters there catching up with myself earlier on today. A top bloke and it's a, a really exciting time I think to have a player like that at Maidenhead who's been ingrained in the setup for a few years now is always a good way to do it and Alan Devonshire is certainly a man you'd, you'd have to go quite a long way to doubt in knowing what he's doing. Um, Kings Lynn as I mentioned are up next for them. Yeovil and Altrincham after that. Three games that if they win I mean it would make their season look slightly different and they are winnable games aren't they? Yeah I mean we said last week if we, we both agreed, I think, that if they were to get a point against um, Grimsby, it'd be a good result. And I still think it is. I think it was a good result to get a draw. You know, I think they'd, went, they'd conceded something like nine goals in three games um, in, in the run against Stockport, Torquay and Weymouth, which is too many goals to be conceding. But the last two games, they've conceded two. So clearly they've tightened up a bit at the back. And like you said, hopefully the draw on Saturday has given them a bit of a springboard to go into the next few games with a bit more confidence. No, 100%. I think that will definitely definitely be the case going forward. I mean, he mentioned there, obviously, that goals are having to come from sort of more different places all over the pitch, um, not as much being put, not as much onus being put on the strikers. They've got an experienced striker up front who often leads the line in Nathan Blissett, though. Are we sort of in a position now where they should be expecting a little bit more from him, do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's hard at that level, isn't it? You know, a lot of the players rely on confidence. 
is he necessarily getting the chances? And is the chances he's getting, should he be scoring? That, that, those are the questions you need to ask yourself as a striker. I can't particularly comment on that because I haven't seen him play 90 minutes week in, week out. But what I can say is that if he gets one goal, that could be enough to get him on a run. And even if he wasn't turned up scoring 20, 30 goals, if he gets 10, those 10 goals could could be crucial to, to Maidenhead, where I know they've got big aspirations in this league. He's definitely he's definitely got it in him as well. He uh, single-handedly kept talking in the National League one year. So, special place in my heart, Nathan Blissett has, um, I think. Uh, I mean, obviously, James Holden was sent off against Stockport as well. Reese Lovett seems to have done, done well in his hab- absence. How difficult is it to have that sort of to-and-fro between goalkeepers? It's something you want to avoid, isn't it? Yeah, it's always better to have the one goalkeeper, I think. Obviously, I've been a goalkeeper at a much lower level than these guys, but... Even at that level, when you have two or three, it never works, um, especially for the back four. They want a bit of stability behind them. And also for the goalkeepers as well, if you don't play week in, week out, there's, there's little things that happen on the pitch that you're maybe not used to or not ready for that if you had been playing for a few weeks, you'd be anticipating. So I think it's the one position that you don't really want to be rotating. And I think that's just a decision the manager's going to have to make. He's going to have to decide which one he thinks can be the number one and which one is going to suit his style of play because you know it could be a scenario one of them is better with the feet or one of them is better with dealing with crosses you know I think he's going to have to make that decision it's a hard it is a hard one to make though it is going to be difficult especially even Reese Lovett was there he was their sort of lead keeper last season so it's, it's even harder a decision to make for Alan Devonshire but as I said I think you have to go very far to doubt him uh, a fixture this weekend for Maidenhead then that they'll certainly be confident of winning and a potential kickstarter for their season away to Kings Lynn so best of luck to them there next up we're going to be turning our attention to the select car leasing stadium where we're going to be chatting Saturday's result and previewing their game this evening Yep, yet again, the Royals seem to be taking no notice of the off-the-pitch soap opera that unfolds between themselves and the EFL as they won again this weekend against the hardened Middlesbrough side and face Derby County tonight in what I'm, what I'm dubbing, personally, the point deduction derby. And I think that'll catch on. I think that could work. I really do. I mean, it's first and foremost, looking at that, uh, looking at that game on Saturday then, the Neil Warnock sort of going away, to, having a Neil Warnock team come and visit you. What do you... How hard is it to win those games and, and how much how much sort of applause needs to go to Reading for that? Yeah, I mean, especially like you said, with the situation they're in. I think we spoke last week that, you know, we wouldn't be surprised if Reading won a few games now. <laughs> the pressure's almost off the players, like it is with Derby, where they're free to just go and play. There's no expectation. There could be players going out the door. So while you're here, go and express yourselves. It was a really good win on the weekend, you know. Uh, Neil Warnock always has his team very well set up and Middlesbrough are a good team. They've got some really good players, even in reserve. And they've got Uche Pieza on the bench, who for us, for Wickham last season, was our starting number nine. So that clearly tells you the quality they have in the squad. Uh, but like you said, Derby again, another team that's got no pressure on them. So could it, could it be evened out? You know, which team has less pressure? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it could be a case of that though, couldn't it? I mean, especially with, with both. I mean, obviously it's not been confirmed for Reading yet that they're going to have these points taken off them, but it's looking increasingly likely um, sort of day by day. If they do win tonight and they find themselves in the playoffs of the championship, how disheartening is that for that group of players? And how much will they keep on thinking, what if, what if, what if? That's, that's got a sting, hasn't it, Sam? Yeah, I mean, look, anything, if you're achieving something and you're getting up to your goal and then suddenly your legs are cut from under you because it wasn't your fault, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt big time. 
No, so. uh, yeah, hundred percent. That's that's one thing I think is really going to sting. I mean, like we said, they obviously travel to Pride Park tonight, where they face Wayne Rooney's Derby. It's not. It's it looks like like you mentioned, man. It looked an easier proposition three weeks ago than it does now because they, they just seem to be playing with this with this freedom and, and lack of play, pressure. I'm curious, what do you think sort of on the pitch tonight? Do you think there'll be any sort of psychological edge subconsciously maybe where both these groups of players, managers, fans will have maybe a little bit of sympathy for each other, sort of a little bit of empathy between the clubs? Yeah, they could do. Yeah, they could be, oh, look, it's another one like us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a tricky one because Derby, when you actually look at their start on 11, they, they still have some really good players there. They genuinely have some really good quality. It's just they obviously find themselves in a difficult position. If, if you had, if you take Derby's starting 11 and put it in under another team's name, you wouldn't say, oh, I think they're going to finish in the bottom three or bottom half of the table. They, they genuinely are a good team. So, again, tonight it's going to be a hard game. But having one on the weekend, I'm sure Reading are going to be full of confidence to get to get a win. No, there there are injuries there as well for Reading. I believe Scott Dan has actually travelled with the club um, and is is rumoured to be in the in and amongst the setup tonight. Um, they're not favourites going into it, which is which is quite a surprise to me. Quite a big price as well. I mean, that's obviously due to Derby being in good form as well. They'd be back on positive points with a win tonight as well. And I know it would be some sort of miracle if they did manage to stay in the championship, but it it would be a step. How I mean, mentally, how much of a step in the right direction is it for them if they win tonight? Yeah, I mean, psychologically, I think I think you'll agree. If if you get to back onto positive points, that that's a massive game changer. I think Sheffield Wednesday last season spent far too long on the minus points. I think there were several weeks where they kept losing games or drawing, and in the end, I think that's ultimately what cost them. If you can get back onto plus points relatively quickly, then you can almost see the finishing line. You can almost see a target of right. We can catch that team. We can catch that team, and slowly you start building your way back up the table. So the sooner they get back into the, the plus side, I think, I think they're better for them. And that's that's what tonight is, though, isn't it? It's a chance for them to get back on those plus points. And I, I think certainly that's how they'll be seeing it. And there's there's often something about a club who, who you know, feel like it's us against the world that sometimes kick on and really get some positive results. So it'll be interesting to see how that one unfolds. Um, I'm going to put you both on the spot. We've obviously got the return of the hotly anticipated Predictions League properly later on. I'm going to push you for a prediction, Sam. Cooks kicks off in just over an hour. What do you reckon? Derby. You think? Yeah, I think, I think <clears throat> Wayne's still got something there that he's going to be able to pull out. Uh, no, Derby. Derby will win that one. Sorry. No, well, I mean, it's not like we're talking about a local club or anything, Sam, so fair enough. Ben, They're what do you think? Us, I, think. <laughs> I didn't notice that. I don't think they are. Missed that. Yeah, missed, I must have missed the boat on that one. <laughs> when they sponsor us, obviously my opinion changes rapidly. <laughs> ben, what do you reckon? Um, purely to make it interesting, I'll go and read in 2-0. I'm still not really convinced by Wayne Rooney, I'll be honest. I don't see it. He almost got them relegated last season. He got very lucky. Uh, so, yeah, Reading for me too. He is, he is looking older by the day as well, isn't it? It's getting a bit <laughs> frightening now. I think I saw, I saw no, Ronaldo's a year, year older than him, I think. And you look at the two stood next to each other and they could be father and son. Or admittedly, you know, adopted, but they could be father and son. Well, at least those grannies are going to find him they, acceptable. <laughs> maybe now. that's exactly what he's trying to do. That's exactly what he's trying to do. Um, of course, so it's just over an hour till kick-off there. I'm oh, sorry, I should give my own, shouldn't I? I can't, yes. I can't just back out of yeah. it. Sit on two, that fence. Yeah, 2-1 Reading. 2-1 Reading, I think they'll do it. Uh, just over an hour till kick off then at the um, at Pride Park this evening and in, in a game that oozes drama both on and off the pitch best of luck to the Royals though in that one uh, it's time to swap a goal for a hoop now as we turn our attention to the Reading Rockets Dive in 
to River Radio. That's right, we're talking all things basketball this evening on Extra Time. And after speaking to the other local club, the Thames Valley Cavaliers, last week, this week, our roaming reporter Mike Day caught up with the Reading Rockets. Me and my father, Gary, and, and family decided we needed basketball in the town. It was a passion of mine. I'd been to Brunel Uni and off to Bournemouth and I've been around a number of clubs as a player. And we just felt that we really wanted something kind of that was for the kids and that went all the way through like a football club like Reading FC, really. Um, just wanted something that the community could get hold of, get behind, and something that we can shout about. So the Rockets now, in its format, is um, about 12 community coaches going out, coaching nigh on 800 children a week with 150 on a waiting list, where the Rockets is now 17 National League teams that train two, three times a week across all over Reading, and we're based at John Medeski Academy, which is our main partner. So... It's a bit of a big animal, Mike, to be honest. And what is your role within the club? So my, I'm the director of, of basketball. I don't, I don't run the community programme, but I have a, a discussion with that um, and just making sure it's, it's focused in the, in the right way and any support I can give there. Then with the junior club, there's another guy, Ben, who runs all that and I kind of support him with that. And I oversee all the kind of performance strands of the sport in basketball. And with the academy, can you just explain to the listeners how that works in regards of their schooling alongside playing basketball? Yeah, it's such, it, honestly, it is, I wish I was a kid again, because in some places, to marry up your passion with your academic um, studies is just wonderful. And it's kind of a United States thing with college and high school, right? But um, here it's very different. So all the kids here, from our under 12s, 14s, 16s and 18s, they have a report they sign every every day. Um, they get graded on their attitude towards their learning. They have to achieve above the level of their grades. They come from all, all different schools to come here now. Um, and then when they get old enough to the sixth form, that's when it really heats up and they are training most often twice a day. They'll be doing strength and conditioning, skill work. They'll see physios, nutritionists, psychologists, strength and conditioning coaches, um, performance managers, A-level teachers, I mean, you name it, it, it becomes a real, um, a really beautiful environment for a young person that is just, they know that's a sport that they want to pursue. They've got some talent, of course, and their academic rigour is, is unquestionable. And how many junior teams do you have? The junior teams, which is what everyone would recognise as a club, we've got 17 of those. Then we have like a community central venue league where there'll be another 150 kids that can just go turn up and play for fun in that. And then beneath that, we have mini basketball programs. So you can play micros, minis or mighty ballers and you start from four years old. And across Reading and Berkshire, we're up to about 750 participants every week. And, and I mean, amazing for me, there's about 150 children on waiting lists for those classes. We just can't open them quick enough now. So it's gone from an acorn to an oak tree and it, and it now feels like we need, we need more trees. You know, it's, it's, it's just really, it's really lovely to be a part of. And it's not just the junior level as well. You do have men's teams as well, don't you? Yeah, men's and women's teams. So we're what's called a through club. So we go men's and women's from age four right the way through to senior professionals. And we have guys that are, come over from the States. There's an awful lot that goes on every week here. 
There is another team in the Thames Valley area, the Thames Valley Cavaliers. Your men's team lost to theirs last Sunday. What is the rivalry like between the two clubs? The rivalry is even better than that because we lost to them last Sunday, but the Sunday just gone, we were 20 points down at third quarter and won by seven in an absolutely brilliant game. It's on our YouTube channel. So what I can say is the more basketball clubs there are, the better that are competing at the level that Thames Valley do. And Coach Bob Banks has invested a lot of time and money. Uh, It's a credit to him and it's a credit to the division that within about 15 miles or 20 miles, there's two really good clubs that will probably be hopefully top four by the end of the season and hopefully vying for silverware. So, yeah, it's wonderful to have a local rivalry. They played in the L. Lynch Trophy. Are you able to explain for people who aren't familiar with it what that tournament is? L. Lynch, I think they're a big sort of plant manufacturer where they rent out the big machinery that you'll see on the side of the, the roads. Um, and there was a, a link to someone who said, look, we really want to see basketball and we want to see more of it. So when everyone was streaming their games via YouTube, they saw how big the viewing figures were and said, look, let's, let's, let's make a trophy. like this. So it's a pre-season trophy. It's done within your region. So you play in the, so we have Thames Valley, Solent, Oaklands that play um, just in Hertfordshire. And you play a first round and then you play the sort of quarterfinals later in the season and the final, I think, is in January. And going back to Division One men's, have you ever thought of attempting to get into the BBL? Yeah, I mean, it's quite a great story for us. And it's no secret that that's something that we'd like to do. We have to also look at financially whether it's something that we can do because we never overexpose the club. Um, so it's definitely an ambition of ours, definitely. And we're in you know, some pretty advanced talks with people that we think can be really exciting for us to, to perhaps, you know, get our name at the top of the tree there and, and start to, you know, take little old Reading Town up with the, with some of the bigger cities. So, yeah, we'd, we'd love to do it. We, we'd love that underdog thing. So, yeah, definitely. And what about the rest of the club? What is the future for Reading Rockets Basketball Club? I think we really didn't know what would happen post-COVID, but it's it's just totally aware that the more sessions we do, the more kids are loving playing and it's such an easy sport to play so where we we started a project about six months ago right in the middle of covid so when we come back called project a thousand smiles and that was we wanted 10 little hubs to start with 100 kids in each over three hours so 30 kids per hour um, on the weekends mainly so it's easy and we're within about four months my wife's been managing that project and we're nearly at a thousand smiles and what that's saying is it's not the win the loss it's just the just come and enjoy yourself for an hour, you know, have a positive attitude towards activity. We make it as cheap as we can possibly make it um, so it's as accessible for as many people as we can. And that's why it's the, the second most played sport in the world. So for us, I think the sport sells itself. You know, everyone knows it's a great sport worldwide. And it's not about, you know, the, for every one pro player, there's thousands and thousands of kids starting to play at five, six years old. And that's that's really what I think the future of the club is. It's whilst there is a professional side that we desperately want to get to, we've really found the the gold now in that the more and more kids we play, the more families that we're engaging, the more activity going on, the, the healthier the families are seeing, the positive relationships they're building. So the future of the club is the kids, right? And that's, you know, um, if any of the senior men are saying, it doesn't mean we get rid of you guys or the women. It does mean, though, that, that we have to have eyes 
the, the next good 18-year-old is currently playing at eight years old. They're just 10 years away from it. Um, and we've got to do a better job helping them in the next 10 years. And for these kids that want to get involved, where can people find information on the club and also coming along and supporting games? I mean, we've just launched today, in fact, our new website, which looks brilliant. Um, so, you know, go and have a look at that. Then we're on pretty much every social media channel going Rockets Reading somewhere. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn and everything else. So I think now, and this is one of the reasons I think the sport is doing so well, is it quite easy now to find sports, you with all the social media and, and we certainly know we have to be part of that tech generation. So you can go online, you can you can pay for your tickets up front for games, you can book your tickets for your kids to go to go in the camps in the half term. You can pretty much do anything now. So yep, it's all there, readingrockets.co.uk or on all the social channels. Mike Day there talking uh, to the Reading Rockets a little bit about everything that's going on there. It's really exciting for them as well. I mean, so to, to see, you know, sort of local teams really really um, sort of aspiring in new sports is really good for the local area. And it certainly is all going on in the local area lately. And it was the Rockets that won the Battle of the Valley last week. But with plenty of basketball left to play, both sides will be looking to break the playoffs. Up next is our Hot Topic. It's been a busy few days or so in sport as we've seen Titans clash in Europe's top football competition and in the ring in North London. A Saturday night saw Alexander Usyk beat Anthony Joshua on points, handing him his second professional loss and stealing all of four of his belts off him. Ben, I know you're quite the boxing fan. In- interestingly, just to get your initial sort of thoughts on that, my thought was watching it, it was it was quite tame and tactical and it, there was no real attack from AJ, which watching all of his fights before seemed to be something that he's sort of notorious for. Yeah, I mean, going into the fight, I thought Alexander Usyk would win the fight on points, but win- wouldn't get the decision. I thought being at AJ's, you know, basically in AJ's hometown, I thought he'd have to do absolutely everything uh, to, to get the decision but luckily they, they didn't rob him they did give him the decision that he rightly deserved and like you said it was it was a strange performance by AJ but one that I wasn't necessarily surprised by I have to be honest um, he's always had issues with people that maybe have a bit more lateral movement a bit more speed that slightly smaller than him and I think what you saw was Alexander Usyk never stopped moving he never stood still so that AJ could throw those punches that you know that you're on about maybe that was down to I mean I, I've always thought it was down to a lack of the right training I would like to see him with a different trainer if you look at some of the most successful boxers in the past 20 years Lennox Lewis Tyson Fury they, they've changed trainers several times um, and they've rounded out their game I think Joshua still fights like an amateur with his hands up almost with his head back and I think if they would, I mean, they're talking about a rematch. I'll be honest, I don't really see it going any other way. I don't know about you, Will, but I yeah. don't think it's the right decision to make. I get why, but... Well, I think he needs one for the sake of his career, doesn't he? Because I, I, yeah. I, I, I saw the, when, you know, everyone knew, I was watching it in a pub, as most of us do, when sort of big fight nights like that, and everyone knew there was no anticipation. There was no who's won this. Everyone's just hoping the judges have seen the decision that everyone else across the UK and the world probably had seen as well. So that was certainly my thought going into it. It wasn't, it was, I feel like when AJ beat Klitschko, the whole of the UK stood up and went, wow, this boy is the real deal. 
this boy is special. This is the next Lennox Lewis, the next big thing for the country. And it's just not worked out like that. And I remember I, I didn't stay up for the, the Ruiz fight that he lost, but I remember waking up to the news of that in the morning and just thinking it was just a bit flat, wasn't it? Like it, it felt like there was, that was sort of like a bit of a come down. But, but Saturday night, it felt like a, a dip off at the end of a career. Do you know what I mean? It, it yeah. felt a little bit like that, didn't it? It felt like it was... I, I, I can't see it ever getting better. You, you, I don't know if there's any coming back from a loss like that. I, don't, I almost think he'd have been better off being... have gone for an audacious punch and been knocked out rather than have lost like he did because he just got outboxed. Well, I, I go back to Ben's point. He, <clears throat> he needs a new trainer. Mm. He, I was listening to uh, some commentary which was saying... Basically, he goes in the gym, he knows exactly what he's going to do. It's, it's easy peasy, lemon squeezy. We do this, we do that, skip here, do that, bunch mm. that, do that, go home, no break of sweat. I was watching Rocky 2, funnily, the, the other night as well. <laughs> and, you know, Mickey, Mickey Splane's going, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, when are you going to turn it on, Rocky? When are you going to turn it on? And it was like suddenly, you know, it's like, well, you know, Adrian's in the hospital, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then Adrian does the famous line of, Rocky, go in, go in for me. And he's, Mickey, where are you waiting for? Where are you waiting for? You know, it's like, can I just say, if you've just tuned in, this isn't this isn't an awful remake of Rocky Two. This is we are talking about yeah. about the boxing on Saturday night. Yeah, but but, but my, no, I know what my, you're saying. I know point what you're saying. Being yeah. Is that AJ's too nice, right? Yeah. Even the words before the fight was, you know, and uh, here's my shirt, and, and you know, he's just handing and handshakes, and they were mm. doing selfies before yeah. together, and then afterwards, he's even you know coming out with some. Very nice philosophical quotes. I'll go home. I won't stay in my room, and I will, I will learn it as a lesson. I'll move forward. No, I'm angry. I'm, I'm annoyed. I want to change. I want to win. I don't think if he stays with the same trainer, he's got a hope in hell of winning that second fight. No, I don't either. It felt like it felt like the end of an era for me, certainly with with AJ. And I, I struggle to see. I mean, the, the one that everyone wanted was Fury Joshua. Now, well, does did you that see happen? What Fury said, "I'll beat him in two. Yeah, well, he I'll, would I'll have done. He two. would have done, wouldn't he? I mean, it's it's the, the, the standard between those two couldn't be much further especially after seeing how AJ boxed the other night but Fury's just a clever clever boxer I mean it's it's a shame isn't it that we it's very unlikely that we'll see that fight or if we won't if we do see it it will be without the magnitude of, of the belts probably well, it's the timing do you remember Pacquiao uh, and um, uh, Mayweather Mayweather that yeah. fight should have happened never happened and it did but it happened too late. Far too late. And yeah. you know, there's other fights like that that should have happened, never no, happened. Yeah. When they do happen, they're, they're, they're past their best. It needed to happen this sort of this exact time, didn't yeah. it? Really. So it's it's a real shame. But I mean, Ben, what what do you think on that one? I'm interested to. But do you, like, because that that fight will never have the magnitude that it could have done. Now, will it? Yeah, I mean, there was something you said earlier that the kind of is AJ's biggest strength and his biggest weakness. You said about the Klitschko fight. It was like an incredible moment for British sport. And I was at that fight, and it, it, you, you're right, it was incredible. But the problem with that is that every fight he has is the same. Do you know what mm. I mean? He, there's no fight he has where he's the underdog, or mm. it's not on Sky pay-per-view, there's not 80,000 people there. So he's never had the chance to have any learning fights, yeah. any easier fights without the belts. So if I was, you know, we, we all sit here, and realistically, we, we would all say... Don't take the immediate rematch. Have a few learning fights. Get your confidence back. But he can't do that. There's too many people eating off him, if that makes sense. There's, yeah. there's too many people making money off him for that not to happen. With the Fury situation, I wish it had happened last year. I still think it would have been a relatively close fight. It's a different fight than the Usyk fight. But like you said, it, even if they fight a year, two years down the line, it's not two undefeated British champions now. No. It's one guy that's lost a couple one guy that's 
dominant. It, it's just not the same. It's not what it could have been. And, that, and that's the problem with boxing, isn't it? It takes too long for the, the big fights to happen. Yeah, it's interesting you mention it as well, though, isn't it? Because I wonder how that would benefit Anthony Joshua. The last fight, he was perhaps a slight underdog for the Klitschko one. The, a, a Tyson Fury fight, where Tyson Fury is the overwhelming favourite, is the sort of place that Anthony Joshua could go and cause a shock. I don't know if it has it in him, but if you do, you do your learning fights, you have, your, you have a new trainer, you just don't know. Um, very quickly, just before we move on, because I'm cautious of the time, I want I wanna, I wanna to ask you both how you think this will affect his legacy that will be left on. We obviously, I obviously mentioned it felt like the end of an era, it felt like someone dipping off. But I mean, you only have to look at some of the great boxers who, who lost a lot of times. Muhammad Ali lost five fights, Lennox Lewis lost two, you know, Mike Tyson lost six, Shebank lost five. Will he still go down as one of the best, Anthony Joshua? Well, it's not the end, for sure. He's only 30, and Lennox Lewis lost his first fight when he was 30, and look at the career he had. So I think there's still time. It's just he's got to get it right. If you're talking at the moment, if he was to hang the gloves up now, good slash great fighter, brilliant for British sport in general, but he's not going to go down at the moment as one of the all-time great headweights. That's that's for sure. My worry is he'll be another big threat. Oh, <laughs> you know, he's just going to be wheeled out as a, a, yeah. a uh, articulate big Frank. Yeah, right? I completely agree. Yeah, and that's the sure. problem. He'll be he'll be in that typical British great loser category, yeah. right? And I don't want him to go down as a great loser. And that's where I think he's going right now. And if he doesn't changes. change something, I completely agree. I mean, it really has been a week of the very biggest events in sport with some incredible clashes, but none quite mount to the one we have coming up next. It's the clash of Extra Times River Radio presenters in the return of the Predictions League. That's right, after a week away, the Predictions League returns with more importance than ever. Ed was last week's winner with six points, unfortunately. I'm not sure if anyone remembers Ed, but he, he is still in part of the Predictions really? League. Exactly, what? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but obviously, the end of the month approaches, and as a result, the forfeit does as well. Quick reminder of the rules, even though we're rapidly running out of time. Each week, a member of the team picks out a set of fixtures due to take place in the coming days, with each player making predictions for the outcome of each. Uh, a completely correct prediction earns a player three points whilst, co- whilst correctly forecasting the outcome the winner or the loser earns one failure to do either naturally wins no points i'm going to rattle through these really quickly as we've only got a few moments uh the reading rockets face team solent kestrels in the nbl on saturday at six o'clock what do you reckon sam uh reading rockets all the way reading rockets ben have you gone what any idea Reading. Ready? <laughs> yeah, I've backed the Rockets as well, and I, I actually think um, Ed's gone the other way on this one, so it could be make or break for the forfeit, couldn't it? Oh. It really could be. Maidenhead United take on Kings Lynn on Saturday in the National League. Sam, we'll come to you first. What do you think? Staying home, boy. Uh, going with the Maidenhead. Yeah. yeah. 2 0, 1 0. What do you think? Ooh, I'm going 1 0. 1 0, Ben? Maidenhead. 3 0. 3 0. Wow. Bounce back ability. I've gone for 2 0 in that one. Frome against Windsor Rugby. That's in Bath. Um, should be tight based on the weather, all that sort of stuff. I caught up with their scrum half earlier. He's a top bloke, uh, Ben Grant Adamson. But uh, what do you reckon that one, Sam? Uh, Frome, actually, I'm going for. Yeah, are you? Wow. Yeah, okay. I, but ben? Tough, tough place to go. Uh, I'm going with Windsor. <laughs> My mate is their scrum off, so I think I'm going to have to go with Windsor. (laughs) Finally, um, in what I'll say elite in air quotes, but it's the elite ice hockey hockey league. Don't ask me how I found it. That's Saturday at seven o'clock. The Nottingham Panthers against Coventry Blaze. What do you reckon, Sam? Going for Nottingham. Going for Nottingham. Ben? Yeah, Nottingham all the way. It's a great name. 
the Panthers. Dawson's there like as that. well. So. Oh, well, there you go then. Well, there you go. <laughs> Using my, my Mystic Meg logic. <laughs> no, you're joking. I, it nearly won you at the first round, I, I think. I think yeah. it did. Um, I think I've actually got, I've gone for the Blaze there because I think that's an even cooler name than Panthers. But that's very much as far as my knowledge of elite ice hockey goes. I didn't even know there was an elite level of ice hockey in this country, if I'm being completely honest. Oh, what's it? The ex Peter Cech, doesn't he play hockey now? He did for um, the Guildford uh, Fire or something like that, didn't he? Yeah. There you go. There's your, your useless you, fact of the day. Clearly, you did know somewhere in the deep, dark depths of that brain of yours. I did know something about elite ice hockey, so there you go. Um, no, this is, it's been great fun today, as usual. Guess cracking on through all the local sport and a little bit about the boxing as well. I will just say, if you are listening, Anthony Joshua, I didn't mean anything I said, so don't come looking for me, because as much as I think Tyson Fury could beat you in a fight, I definitely couldn't. So I will just say that much. Sam, thank you so much for joining me. Pleasure. And Ben, thank you. Yeah, no, pleasure's on Did you clock out at Tesco in the end? I need to ask this because we don't want you getting in trouble with your bosses. No, I did. There was a couple of managers that came in, but they both realised what I was doing. So <laughs> it was all good in the end. That's River Radio, live from the studio and Tesco somewhere in Aylesbury. Uh, I've been Will Taylor. Thank you so much for joining me on Extra Time this week. And we look forward to you joining us again. Remember, you can listen again to this show you on yes. River.radio. And there's a podcast. There is a podcast. So listen to the Apple, podcast. If, you, if you've not had enough in this hour, go and listen again. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you See so you much. all next week. Thank you Take very care. much. The soundtrack to life in the Thames Valley. River.